the first reading from Psalm chapter 103, verse 8 to 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As though, uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Second reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thanks, Pong, and good morning again, everyone. Uh, Nelson Mandela and Mother Teresa, two, two names that you're probably familiar with, two Nobel Peace Prize winners. Um, Nelson Mandela was a human rights activist. Mother Teresa um, poured her life into serving those who were poor and, and sick. Uh, two, two extraordinary people. Uh, but as, as much as I might admire their character and I might admire their achievements, um, I might equally ask, so what? You know, great for lots of people in India and, and in South Africa and lots that I'm sure I could learn from, from their lives and, and their courage and their character. Um, but if I'm being honest, the, there are times where I think I, I really can't see much practical difference for my life here on the other side of the world and, and not personally affected by, by all the, the issues that they worked so hard to battle. Um, and perhaps you feel a similar way about God. Um, Maybe, maybe I believe God's loving, maybe I don't believe God's loving. But even if he is, so what? My grandma is loving, but most people don't care because it really doesn't affect them at all. Um, interest rates are high, tax returns are almost due, we need to work out who's hosting Christmas this year. It's great that God is loving, but why should I care? Uh, well, as Nathan shared just earlier, we've spent the last couple of months asking uh, friends, family, neighbours, workmates, what they think God is like. Uh, lots of people reply to that thinking that God is loving. 
But it begs the question, doesn't it? So what? What difference does it make to my life if God is loving? And that's the question that we're asking in the first week of our Big Questions series. If God is loving, so what? And the first point to make in answering that question is that God isn't just loving. God is love. Uh, So John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, he makes two really big claims about God. Um, And he says, not just that, he he tells us in 1 John chapter 4, love comes from God and God is love. Uh, So we'll start with that second one. God is love. God is, he's not just a sort of a, a loving grandpa figure who you can sort of take or leave. God God is completely motivated and completely defined by love. Um, everything about him, his, his, his justice, his mercy, his compassion, it flows out of love. And everything he does is completely loving. That's, that's the picture we're given of God throughout the Bible. We, we read about it in that psalm just before. The Lord, God, is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I find this staggering because I know that I'm not like that. I'm not like that at all. I I know how hard it can be for me to love people. I know how selfish I can be. I know that even when I do loving things, if if, if I dig deep enough into my motives, there's always something selfish at the root of it. God is loving in a way that I'm simply not. Um, by the way, th- that might be something, we're, we're talking about God being loving, but for you, you might be questioning, is God really loving? Uh, maybe there are, there are things you've seen or experienced in life that, that make that hard to believe for you. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, October 29, in this series, our talk topic is going to be, does God really care? Um, so that's, that's taking this question from a slightly different view. It's, it's asking the question, is God really loving? Um, so that might be one that, that's interesting for you to, to come along for. Uh, for this morning, though, we're looking at um, God's, the idea of God being loving. Um, and not just that God is love, but that love comes from God. Um, so love, when we think about our own lives, love is central to, to who we are and how we exist. It's not just that we, we love, but that we need love as well. Love is precious. Love is worth fighting for. Love is powerful. I reckon I can, I can count on one hand the number of movies I've seen that don't have some sort of love story that, that's, that's running through the plot. Uh, and more seriously, when, when we see children, spouses, parents, or, or anyone being deprived of love, we, we have this sense, don't we, of, of how wrong that is. Uh, and, and John is saying here, this, this love that is right at the heart of who we are, it comes from God. We love and we need love because God made us that way. He, he created us to be in a, a perfect and loving relationship with him. And, and so he's hardwired us to love and to be loved so that we'd flourish when we're loving him and that we're loving other people as well. So God's love not only shows us who he is, but it shows us who we are 
as well. Why we exist. Why we love. The Bible has some confronting follow-up news for that, though, which is that God might be loving. But on the other hand, we are unlovable. If love comes from God and God is love, then, then true love is all about God. But right throughout the Bible and, and right up to, to today as well, humans have tried to redefine love without God. So we've taken this gift of love that God has given us as the, the foundation of our, our relationship with him, our relationships with one another, and we've said, all right, thanks God, we'll take it from here. And this is what the Bible calls sin. We, we've put ourselves at the center of the universe instead of God. And, and deep in our hearts, we, we've replaced love for God with love for other things. Um, we're made to love. And, and at our best, we're still capable of acting in a, a genuinely loving way towards one another. Uh, and there are wonderful examples of human love, um, I hope, in our lives and certainly in, in the world all around us. But when we, when we cut love off from the true source of love, then what we're doing is, is we're making ourselves the source of love and, and the standard for love as well, which, which means that even our most loving instincts are blurred with self-interest. And sometimes that self-interest overpowers everything else. We, we love the wrong things. And when you, when you boil down all of the hurts and all of the injustices in the world, what, what you find is people consumed with love for the wrong things. Uh, whether that's money, sex, power, validation, popularity, so consumed by love for these things that, that, that it squeezes out love for people. Uh, the, the two big news stories this week that have been rolling around have, have been the firstly the horrific situation going on in Israel, uh, and also the voice to parliament as well. Uh, now, the, the scenes that we've seen coming out of Israel are just, just awful, They're just the most unloving thing you can imagine, just, just um, pure, pure hatred. Um, even with the voice, though, um, whichever way you voted, can, can we honestly say that, that this has played out in a loving and constructive way? Uh, we're not always nailing love as a human race. Uh, and the reason that the Bible gives for this is that humanity has looked the God of love in the eye and we've told him, we want love, but we don't want you. And surely rejecting the God of love, the God who is love, the, the God who love comes from, rejecting this God is the most unloving thing we could possibly do. Uh, we, we can't possibly think of ourselves as loving, even, even if we do lots of things that look loving outwardly, if we've actually ignored the God of love in the process. Jesus once described what sin is by telling a story about a son who, who wanted his father's money, but he didn't love his father didn't want anything to do with his father. So, so he said to his dad, look, I want to take my share of the inheritance now and I want to leave home and I want to have nothing to do with you. So in other words, he was saying to his father, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. 
it's a painful illustration of what's happening when we want love, but we don't want God. And it, it shows us how unlovable we are. And it gets worse as well. Because of sin, we're not just unlovable, but we're dead. And in the Ephesians passage that we read, we, we were told that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. Sin has left us spiritually dead. Cut off from the God of love and life. Uh, we're also told that, that we are by nature deserving of wrath. So spiritually dead and deserving to face God's anger. Um, because God is perfectly loving, he's also perfectly just as well. And, and, and if you've ever suffered injustice in your life, well, you, you know that it's only right that a blind eye is not turned to injustice, that injustice is dealt with. And so if we've rejected God's love, it's only right that we face his justice. And so that's the situation that we face. We're, we're dead and we're deserving of anger. And so that brings us back to the big question. So what if God is loving? So what if God is loving? Well, right now, right this second, I don't care who here knows first aid. I don't care if one person in this room knows first aid. I don't care if a hundred people do. I'm healthy. I don't need it. But if I was choking right now, if I was struggling to breathe, um, it would be of great importance to me that at least one person here knew first aid because it would be the difference for me between life and death. And in the same way, God's love becomes important when we see how much we need it, when we recognize that our life depends on it. So what happens when a loving God encounters unlovable people? What happens is, is we see that God's love is both life-giving and life-changing. In Jesus, we see how God's love overcomes our unlovable nature. Uh, we read in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins, deserving of wrath. But, but then we read these wonderful words that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Jesus made a way for us to live when we were dead. By, and he did that by dying for us, by taking our punishment. God himself was, was bearing the weight of our sin so that we don't have to. He made a way to punish sin, but to spare us. It was a, a perfectly just, perfectly loving solution. And Jesus not only died, he was raised back to life so that we can have the hope of true life to come. Uh, we, we read in, in Ephesians that uh, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. So we were, we were dead, hopeless, doomed for eternity. But through Jesus, God made a way for us to live. Uh, this is how the writer of the psalm that we read just earlier describes God's love. We're, we're told, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far 
as he removed our transgressions from us. So if our trust is in Jesus, it's as if God has taken all of our guilt, all of our shame, and he's banished it to the other side of the universe. It's gone. We'll never have to answer to him for it. We're no longer unlovable. Now, you might, be, you might be wondering, that's all very well, but why did God allow sin in the first place? Why did, why did he let us love ourselves and, and allow sin to happen and, and all those things to happen? Wouldn't it have been easier if God just didn't let sin happen in the first place? The Bible doesn't give an exact answer to that question, but, but perhaps... Us choosing to love without God meant that he was able to show his love in a way that wouldn't otherwise have been possible. God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness, they they show the depth of his love from a whole new angle. In the same way that in a a friendship or a marriage, you you really see a person's true character when, when they love someone who's hurt them. So God's love is life-giving it's the reason that we have life it's also life-changing as well we have the the future hope of heaven to look forward to but but right now as well god's love gives us assurance it gives us identity and it gives us direction in life as well when we look at the cross where jesus died we we see not just, unlo- not just how unlovable we are that, that he had to die, but how loved we are that he chose to die for us. And in the, the ups and the downs of life, we, we can have assurance that we are truly loved. We can know that, that there's nothing in my life that happens outside the control of the God who loved me enough to send his own son to die, to rescue me from death to life. The God who I can now call my father. And I can call him that because Jesus didn't just die to rescue us. Jesus died to purchase a new identity for us. An identity as God's children. We're told in Ephesians that in, in love, in God's love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we become children of God. When you think about what our identity is, our, our identity is its what gives us significance. It's, it's who I see myself to be. Uh, it's, it's who others, it's who I want others to see me to be. Uh, we, we might seek that identity in our, in our work, our achievements, um, our gender, our relationships, whatever it might be. And to, to pursue and to maintain this identity can be crippling. It can be exhausting. What Jesus offers us is an identity that we could never earn for ourselves. An identity that we could never beat. Children of God. Who else would I rather be but a child of God? And it's in Jesus that we see God's perfect love in human form. Not just in his perfect life, but in his saving death and resurrection for us. You think about the idea of a loving God, and, and perhaps this was something that came out in the survey a little bit. It's, it can come across as a very invisible and abstract 
concepts, can't it? Yep, you know, God is loving, that's great, but, you know, I can't see him, so what does that mean for me? Well, in Jesus, we see both God's power, but also his perfect, compassionate, loving character lived out in humanity, as real as could be. And Ali made the the great point in the all-ages spot that it's so important that Jesus is both loving and powerful. He's loving enough, he's powerful enough to save us, but loving enough that he would want to as well. Uh, A few weeks' time in November, we're going to be spending a few weeks in Luke's Gospel. Uh, That's one of the biographies of Jesus that we find in the Bible. And we're going to be looking at and seeing not just the power of Jesus at work, but also his loving compassion for people of all walks of life. Uh, As I mentioned before, we've got our Life Series, which is kicking off in a few Mondays' time as well. Four Monday nights exploring who Jesus is, what difference he makes to our lives, and, and whether or not he's worth following. So if you want to think more about why God's love matters in your life, then those would be a couple of great things to to put in the diary and come along to. I'd love to have a chat if you have further questions about that. God's love is life-changing, not just because of the assurance and the identity and the security that it gives us, but also because it demands a response as well. The last couple of verses that we read from Ephesians really capture the balance between God's love for us and our love for him as well. Uh, We're told it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by God's grace to us in Jesus. Not because of what we do. We're not saved by doing good works, but we're saved to do good works. In his love, God has has rescued us and he's called us into a life of loving him and being loved by him. And we haven't grasped his love for us, if it doesn't transform our lives from the inside out, if it doesn't drive us to love him and to love the people around us. God is loving, but so what? Well, for the first 19 years of my life, I reckon that was pretty much my attitude in one sentence. God is loving, but so what? I grew up believing there was a God, believing that he was probably loving, but it didn't make a lot of difference in my life. In fact, it made pretty much no difference in my life. And there were a couple of reasons for that. Um, Firstly, I knew deep down that I wasn't good enough for God. Not even close. I knew that that, um, if there was a perfect God, then there was no way I was ever going to be good enough for that God. Uh, And so even though God was meant to be loving, it just felt like he'd set me this impossible task and he was sitting up in heaven watching me fail. The other reason was that if God was loving, that's great, but I couldn't see how that helped me to to live the life that I wanted to live. You know, God might have been loving, but he just didn't seem very fun. There were things I wanted to do in my life that I knew that that didn't line up with, with who God wanted me to be. And the thing that changed both of those was when I finally grasped what we read about in those last couple of verses of Ephesians. 
that it wasn't up to me to make myself right with God. Jesus had done what was needed. And it was when I grasped that that I, that I finally saw the depth of God's love for me. And, and what I realized was that nobody else was ever going to love me that much. I realized that, that a life built on God's love was, was going to be way more satisfying than all of the other empty things that I was chasing in life. Uh, and if you're here this morning and, and you're not quite sure why God's love matters, my hope and prayer is that you come to that point as well. Seeing how, how life-giving and how life-changing God's love is. So what if God is loving? Well, God's love is the difference between life and death. It gives us a future hope. It gives us a present identity. And it sets the blueprint for how we live in response. Loving God, loving people, just the way that we were made to live, and just the way that through Jesus we're going to live one day perfectly forever. Let me pray. Our loving and merciful God, we praise you for your compassion, for your grace, and for your abounding love that we see so clearly in Jesus. Thank you that you loved us when we were unlovable. Thank you that though we were dead in our sins, Jesus died to deal with our guilt, to bring us life, to give us a new identity as your dearly loved children. And we pray that you'd help us to grasp the depth of your love more clearly each day, to see why your love matters, and to live in light of it. Amen.